Hello and welcome to the Lifestyled Podcast. I'm your host, Erin, a graphic designer and digital creator, helping you build brand through authentic storytelling and stylish design. On this podcast, you'll find open-minded conversations with creatives and entrepreneurs and discussions around things like mindset, brand building, and so much more. With that said, let's dive into today's episode. What is going on? Welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast. Today's episode, I am sitting down with Kathy Heller and she is just, she is full of inspiration. So I feel like you guys are really going to enjoy this one. She is the host of the popular podcast called The Kathy Heller Show, which was formerly Don't Keep Your Day Job. And I actually stumbled upon Kathy back in 2019. I read her book, which is called Don't Keep Your Day Job, and it really sparked some inspiration and some motivation uh, within me as well, because it's full of stories of people just following their creative passions and being able to turn, you know, their ideas into businesses. And I just find all of that very inspiring. I'm someone who loves hearing other people's stories. So it was very much up my alley. And if that's the kind of thing you enjoy listening to or reading about, I know you're going to love Kathy as well. So her podcast, The Kathy Heller Show, it has over 25 million downloads and it's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, The Huffington Post, Inc., Business Insider, and several times by Apple as well. So each week, Kathy encourages thousands of listeners to find more purpose, to make an impact, and to build an abundant life by doing what they love. So all of the things that we love. She's also had some incredible guests on who have shared their stories from people like Jenna Fisher, Matthew McConaughey, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, just to name a few. So you can listen in on conversations about what led them to the biggest moments in their lives and how you can also, you know, create the life that you want to wake up to every single day. I really enjoyed this episode and I know you're going to love it too. And I will catch you on the other side. Enjoy. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me today. So happy to be here. You are so enthusiastic and sweet and clear about your intention with your audience and helping them to find more of their own authentic life and It's just, it's so nice to be with you. Oh, thank you. Well, I really wanted to have you on the podcast today because I'm personally obsessed with your story. I find it incredibly inspiring. You've built an amazing brand for yourself and you created like an amazing life that you love to live. And I just find, you know, your journey so inspiring. So you started off your career with the intention of becoming a musician and scoring a whole record deal and the whole nine yards. And I read your book a few years ago and I wanted to read out a little excerpt from it right now because this has kind of always stuck with me. So you say, there was a healthy dose of naivety in my move to Los Angeles. My credentials were nothing more than a belief that I was destined to be an artist and the confidence built through my spiritual explorations. I had no friends no connections, and no trust fund. I put one foot in front of the other and very slowly my story started to unfold. I feel like that always stuck out to me because I think very few people like take that leap of faith. Very few people like follow that that hunch, you know, the nudge that's like calling them to do something, but you kind of just dove in being like, no, there's something there. Something is calling me and I'm just going to do it. 
So can you just like bring us back a little bit? I always love asking all my guests to kind of dive into their career path a little bit, their journey, because it's never a linear thing. And, you know, sometimes what we set out to do in the start is not nearly where we wind up or, you know, whatever we go to school for, it could be something completely different that we're doing in the end. So could you just, yeah, share a little bit of your story, you know, from start to sort of how you wound up where you are now and what you're doing now? Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you. I don't think I've been on too many shows where people read back something that I wrote. So that was very <laughs> sweet. I was like, I said, that's nice. Um, and yeah, I did just take that leap. You know, I, um, I feel like growing up in my, in my house, my parents were so unhappy and, um, later on they sort of found more of a sense of well-being, but that took a long time and they both struggled. They weren't happy in their own life. They weren't happy married. So they got divorced and, I think when you see people kind of lose a lot of things, right? My parents broke up and my mom was really struggling with her mental health and we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of love. We didn't have a lot, like there was so, you you just see like, what do you have to lose, right? And so I think I had the gift of coming from something that was so uncomfortable that I wasn't like married to this very certain, very comfortable, cushy anything. So it was like, let's just live life while we're here so that we don't grow up to be unhappy adults. I feel like a lot of people, they don't even notice. And next thing they know, they're walking from like the car to their office and they're 34 and they're like, wait, this is my life. I got good grades to go to a good college, to marry somebody, to just work at a job, get a 401k. And I don't feel alive, really. I don't feel happy. And I heard once my rabbi said to me that the opposite of depression, it wasn't happiness. It was meaning. It was purpose. And I thought, well, that's such an interesting thing, right? And I had Jillian Michaels on my show once and she said something similar that like happiness is not a destination. Like, cause even if you're happy, you know, the saying this too shall pass, you might eight minutes later or two hours later feel some other emotion. And she said, but what is sustainable is a feeling of meaning and purpose in your life. Like that is something you could have all day. Even yeah. if you're in a moment where you're feeling sad or pain or grief, you could still feel meaning all day long. And so that is an incredible gift. I think that human beings are striving for progress and we're striving for a sense of contribution. So we want to be growing. We don't want to be stagnant and we want to feel like our life force leaves an imprint that our, 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 ourself, our gifts are something. And so I knew that that was not up for grabs. Like I would have to spend my life having meaning, having purpose because my parents didn't have that. And it led to so much of their own self-destruction. So, um, I went to LA to try to get a record deal. And at first I was writing pretty mediocre songs and then my songs got better. And I had a day job cause I didn't have any money or help, but I had a day job. And in my, my free time, I would just like wake up for that dream. So I was sort of excited. I, I had that naive feeling that it was like any second, any day now. And I do love that because I think that we don't get in life, what we, what we want, we get what we are. We get what we expect. We get what we anticipate, right? They say, why, why are basketball players good at their game? They anticipate the move of the next person. Why is a driver a good driver? They're anticipating what that person in front of them or on the side of them might do. I think when we anticipate that this good is like right here and it's coming and it's already done, it's amazing how then we will sort of find the evidence of it and move toward it. And I really believe that we are all the director of our own movie. And, and we, we really are, because if you look at the way the mind works, and this is not just like a woo woo thought, this is the truth. Your mind is constantly replaying and organizing your thoughts and feelings repetitively the same way every day. 
And then what you do, this is what people do is this is what psychologists would say, but this is true. You project your bias into the world. So yeah, some people have a bias about people of a certain religion or, but people have a bias about everything. It's not just about these big issues. It's everything. So if you're in the world and your thoughts are constantly telling you, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. All the right men are taken. Whatever your biases are, you project that like a movie onto the screen called the world. And then like, I'm holding my, my iPhone right now, like my iPhone camera, does it have better vision than I do? Yes. This camera sees what is my eyes. Don't see what is they see what I have a cognitive bias towards. So we will constantly look for the evidence of what it is that we believe is possible. Then we'll go, oh my God, there it is. Oh my God. So I was always in this place of like, of course, this is going to happen, right? I, I feel like very often Gary Zukov was on my show and, and very often people will be like, you know, I'm on my search. I'm seeking, I'm seeking God. I'm seeking a higher power. I'm seeking. And he said this beautiful thing, which is like, the reason people have a hard time sometimes on that journey is because God is within each of us. And it's the last place people usually choose to look. But if you think about what Einstein says about energy, right? You're just looking at the universe and the power of the electricity. And, and when you talk, I just had Deepak Chopra on my show and we were talking about the, the great one, the one I am, right? And that consciousness that flows through all of us. And I just had Marianne Williamson on and she was saying, people look at it like each wave is separate from another wave and the waves are separate from the ocean. But that's ridiculous, right? Because we know that every wave is connected to every other wave and every wave is, is part of the ocean and powered by the ocean. And that's the way the ecosystem is of nature, right? Like my, my family and I just took, took a boat ride in the May River and the captain on the boat, it was just us and him. And he was giving us this beautiful tour. And he said to my kids, look at the oysters. Notice what they do. They like spit, right? They, they make these little like constant spitting, you know, things happening. And, and he said to my daughters, do you know why they do that? He said, they're actually filtering the water. And so oysters are like the, the earth's natural water filtration system. Now I have never spent more than one second in my life thinking about oysters. Like it's just not part of, right. <laughs> yeah. But he explained that like in areas in the world where there are um, a lot of oyster farming, uh, a lot of oyster farms happening, we have something called red tide and it's killing the sea life because then the water's not filtered and then that actually kills the land life. So the oysters are connected to you and me, right? Like we need everything and worms, like they aerate the soil. So if it wasn't for worms, you and I would stop being able to eat the produce that comes out of the ground and then we would die. Like the point being every human being is connected to every other human being. There's no way to say that you're not affecting everyone in your family, everyone on your block and your community. Of course you are absolutely same with the ecosystem of the whole world and everyone is needed to thrive. And so I've always kind of had the spiritual understanding since I'm about 20 years old, because I studied comparative world religion. And then I went to Jerusalem and I studied Kabbalah and mysticism. And then I spent two years at the UCLA mindful awareness center. And I studied mindfulness and secular mindfulness practice where all these rivers kept leading to the same ocean. So that was extremely helpful because I was coming from this place of projecting onto the screen, you know, that which was my greatest desire. And I wound up getting a record deal and I got signed to Interscope and then I got dropped from Interscope and then I got signed to Atlantic and I got dropped from Atlantic. And my friends were like, oh, that's just what happens. And then eventually you have to give up on your songwriting dreams. And then I got a day job and I was like, oh, I guess I'll just make money then. Cause if I can't do something that I love, I guess I'm supposed to just go get a 
quote unquote real job and make money. So I was working in the real estate world and I started making a ton of money for 25, 26 years old. I was making like $160,000. I bought my cute little CLK Mercedes convertible. I got the couch from anthropology. I got the sushi rolls. And about a year and a half in, I was like, wait, 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 wait. I didn't come to LA to make money. Let's rewind. I came for that feeling of purpose and meaning and contribution. This isn't my unique talent. This isn't my unique gift. Songwriting felt a lot closer to what was my unique talent. So I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to pursue meaning. And so I started to look for evidence that maybe there was another there was another possibility. And Tony Robbins, who I can't believe I just had on my show last week, he said, I was listening to his tapes in my car at the time or his CD. And he said, if you want a new answer, you have to ask a different question. And so I asked a question, I wrote it at the top of a legal pad, a yellow legal pad. And I wrote, is there any other way for me to do music? I had never asked that question. It was always Beyonce or bust, get a record deal or nothing. And so I started to like research that. And I started to like type it into Google, like how else do songwriters make a living? And I saw that songwriters were licensing music to shows like Grey's Anatomy and Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill, which were on at the time. And I was like, I never thought of what that, I never even heard those words before licensing music. Just like when I started a podcast, I had never heard really myself even consider a podcast, right? I hadn't considered it. So I was like, wait a minute, what if I considered that? And so I set out to say, how would I write music for TV shows and movies and ads? And I was like, well, what's stopping me from picking up the phone? And I think a lot of people get stuck around like, well, I don't have the resource. Like I don't have an agent. I don't have, it's like, so find the name of the person and reach out. And it's like, yeah, is it scary to do that? Yeah, but then you go back to, what is it really that you need in a conversation? Is it about talking a lot and impressing someone? Or is it just like being interested and curious and offering like, you know, mm, I'm just curious. I, I see that you work as a music supervisor at Lionsgate or Paramount or Netflix or Deutsch Advertising. What projects are you guys working on? And, you know, by the way, that's so cool that you work there. Do you like it? And how long have you lived in Chicago? And what's the best pizza? And I would just connect with people. And they would say, you know what, Kathy, we are working on a project. We need a song about sisters. We need a song about home. We need, and I started writing those songs and I started to get featured in these full page stories and variety magazine did a full page story with, with a picture of me and billboard magazine, same thing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get a record deal. I can feel it because I'm full page me on the newsstand, you know, talking about how I'm writing music for all these shows and TV and movies. And sure enough, that's not what happened. What happened was other artists started to email me. Other artists started to show up at my shows and ask me the same question. How did you do that? How did you do that? How are you making $400,000 this year? How is your song on every show? How are you doing that? And I was like, I don't, I don't know why they keep asking me this. Like <laughs> what, what? And then I was, I, I kind of had blinders on to helping those people. Cause it didn't seem like it was like part of my world. I had my two kids at this point. And my husband's best friend saw another article about me in the LA Weekly. He was like eating his lunch and reading the LA Weekly. He goes, there's a full page story on you. This is so cool. And he says to me, have you ever thought of doing this as a business where you would help other artists? And I said, no, I said, I feel insulted. Like if you think I'm a good songwriter, why would you say, you know, do anything else? And he's like, no, 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 it's a yes. And like P Diddy started a label and he's still an artist and he makes vodka. Like 
it's a yes. And I was like, wait a minute, he's right. Be expansive. It's a yes. And so I started from that point forward when artists would email me, I would say, yeah, maybe I can help you. Maybe I can also pitch your songs. Maybe I can, cause I had made all these relationships with people and I've been pitching my own music. And then from there, I was like, wait, before I can pitch their music, they need to know what kind of songs are actually needed. So I started to teach and I started messy. Like you said before, I had the guts to, and just in my living room, I would have like 10 people come over and it would be like on a Sunday for $200 with they spend the whole day with me. And I would, and I was like, wow, I just made two grand, like just to hang out with people and teach them what I know. And people were eating it up. So then I rented a theater because they had 50 seats and the theater cost me $200 to rent for the hour. And I filled it and it was a hundred dollars a seat. I was like, wow, I just made like $5,000, like just doing something. So then a girl had heard me talking about this on a music podcast, somebody else's podcast. And she said, you should start an online class. And I said, an online class, like, I don't know anything about the online world. You know, I've been busy being a mom and I've been busy writing songs for TV shows. I don't even have an Instagram account. I'm not even online. I'm just writing music for, for projects. I said, but what do I have to lose? And I was pregnant with my third daughter and I did my first webinar and I didn't have a slide. I didn't have any slideshows. I didn't have any opt-ins or funnels. I still don't. I don't really know. I don't know that world. I'm not really interested in that world. And so I just went live on camera and talked to people. And I said, I'm doing this class. And if you want to spend, you know, X amount of months with me, this is what it costs. And at the end of that call, I made $147,000. It was a thousand dollar class, 147 people signed up. I was like, that's crazy. And then I was like, wait, I could make the class even better. And then I started the class. And then by the end of that year, we made a million dollars. And one of my students said to me, this is so good. And it's really 90% of it, not about music. It's about how you can be resourceful and do anything you want to do. Cause all of the same lessons apply, whether you're selling candles or songs or a class, or you're selling anything. So I started a podcast called don't keep your day job. And we started it five years ago. And my daughter was now 10 days old. She was at that point, she had been born and I was exhausted and I was like, what do I have to lose? And I was 37 when we started it. I'm 42 now. And we have almost 28 million downloads now, which Crazy. is amazing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's awesome. And we get about a million downloads a month. You know, it, it starts to compound. I think it took us a year to get a million downloads. And then after that, it was just like, whoosh, it was just like a wave, right? Um, and I've got to, in, I've had the chance to interview Marianne Williamson and Deepak Chopra and Tony Robbins and Matthew McConaughey and Dr. Phil and Barbara Corcoran and Howard Schultz and Jenna Fisher and like all these people who I like a lot. It's bizarre. Like this is my life. And now I'm writing a second book and now the business is, we're about to hit eight figures and I'm still a mom and I I'm really a, a come with me person, not a look at me person. So I'm on a mission. I really am on a mission to help as many people step into abundance and now that's what I teach. I teach people like, how can you have the most abundant life possible? Getting paid to do what you love, feeling good, sharing your gifts with the world. It exists. It's possible. And that's the whole story. That's so good. So good. I, I love that story. And it's just like you just following the little nudges as you go and, and really acting upon those. And I love the whole yes. And mindset. I want to take it back a little bit though. There's definitely a few things I want to pick up on from everything that you just said, but one of the things is the, the rejection that you faced earlier on when you were, you know, with your record deals and then they ended up falling through. And I think for a lot of people, rejection is very difficult, especially when you have your sights set so hard on something like that is the hope that is the dream. That's what I came here to do. And all of a sudden now that's not happening for me. And as you said, you know, you went, you got 
the quote unquote real job and, and ended up going down that path for a little bit. How did you manage to like overcome that rejection and then sort of snap out of it thinking like, wait, no, this, this isn't my life. There can be other avenues. There is a lot of other ways to make things happen. Um, cause I know, for example, like rejection takes a huge hit on me and I end up, you know, going down a deep hole sometimes. So how do you stop yourself from going down that hole? I mean, I think that having the lens of my mindful spiritual practice helps Mm -hmm. so much. Okay. Because we mentioned it before, as I was sort of going through that piece about how, when, when you say I am Aaron Elizabeth and I say, I am Kathy Heller, right? Mm -hmm. Kathy Heller is like a fictitious made up character and it's always different, right? So Kathy Heller, when I was eight months old, looked a certain way. I don't look like that anymore. Um, she dressed a certain way. I don't dress like that anymore. She liked certain food. I don't eat that food anymore. And then like fast forward to when I was nine, I dressed differently than I do now. I ate different things. I liked different things. I like different music. Fast forward to 24 again, you know, so what's the same in me? Cause everything has changed where I live, my, the things I like, the things I don't like who I spend time with, like almost every single thing has changed about Kathy Heller. So what's the same, the, the thing that's always been the same is, is the part of me. That's not, I am Kathy Heller, but just the, I am the, mm-hmm. the consciousness, the, the centered part of me, the self, the true self, the higher self, not my ego. I know that in that place where I am in flow, where I am congruent, where I am connected, it's so much bigger than any particular thing that my ego is up to. Mm-hmm. So there were times where I would like write a song and people didn't like it. And it was like, that's okay. That's not me. They're not rejecting me. It's like in this moment, the song that I wrote, they didn't like it. That's okay. Like, I don't like everything. If you were to say to your friend, do you want to go to have Indian food, sushi, Italian food, Chinese food, Jewish deli food? Like, isn't that person allowed to say, oh, I don't like that. I like this, right? Mm -hmm. Because is there anyone, is there anything in the world that every single person likes? The answer is no. Like you could be the ripest, yummiest cherry and some people go, I don't like cherries or I'm allergic to cherries or they're not for me. I have a friend who hates tomatoes, hates tomatoes, tomato sauce, tomato, anything. I'm he like hates it. I'm like, okay, that's all normal. The the part that's not normal is expecting that not to happen. And then we don't need to identify like, oh my God, it's me. They don't like, it's like, it's just a part of me. It's just something that came out in the moment. It's a tiny, tiny fragment of a tiny, tiny thing that makes up the, the real truth of the wholeness of who I am. So both of those things, those things help me. And I, I think when we are pleasers and we are codependent, which a lot of us are, and I I'm recovering from that. I I used to be in that a lot. It becomes very clean. Like in my world right now, whether I'm putting out a new offer for a, a program or I'm coaching people, or I'm, I have a new episode of the show or I write a new book. I'm really okay. Like I am allowing other people to decide that they like it or they don't without being like, I need you to like it. Like yeah, myself depends on what, like there's a million reasons you might not like it. And remember that thing I said earlier, we're all running a projector constantly. So let's say that you have a history of having girls in your life who have freckles and there's a couple you just don't like you might just not like me, like without even knowing why, because you're like, I don't know. Oh yeah. She has freckles. I think she reminded me of that girl from sleepaway camp who was such a jerk. 
<laughs> we're all, you know what I'm saying? Everyone's on their train of certain momentum of thoughts that repeat all day. Our mind repeats the same thoughts all day, like 60,000 times. So far be it from me to then expect that somehow all those trains that left the station years ago are all going to stop at my train station. Like, no, some of them are like, I don't want to get off here. Like I'm not into it. That's okay. That's not about me. And my job, and this is for everybody listening, the job that we have every day is not to worry about the return on investment, the ROI. Our job is to show up and do the assignment. Our job is to make the thing. Our job is to take the next step. Is it going to fall apart? It could. It really potentially could fall apart. Here's the, here's the upshot to that. What we get out of doing the job we're meant to do, like when you're like, I just have to make this podcast. I just feel it. Like that's my next right move. I, I know I need to do it. I'm just scared to do it, but I want to do it. Or I know I have to text this to this person. I have to tell this person I love them regardless of what they say. It's in me. I have to get it out or whatever it is. The reward we get is in the satisfaction of feeling authentic and feeling in service of ourself and feeling in service of our next assignment. That's what we take when we go to sleep at night, whether or not somebody bought it or not. That's like an additional thing. Um, we get a lot out of just showing up for the, the, the life assignment. And I also, I've had many things, not just those two record deals. I've had many things where I was disappointed. Yeah. I was like, darn it. I thought that it had to go a certain way, but what I always remember is the universe is so beyond what I can comprehend, right? The Milky way and the, the black holes. And even like, forget the other side of the world. I don't even know what's going on in this side of town. Like, I don't even know, you know, like there must be some cool restaurant 40 minutes away. That's like owned by, you know, a couple and they make the best meatballs. I don't even, I'm not even aware of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's so much beyond what I'm, what's in my awareness that I think I come back to this place of like, my only job is to stir the dream pot and feel desire and enjoy and enjoy what's coming up in my imagination and live into it. And then the universe will organize sort of what's there that I have no awareness of that I can't see. Case in point, I went out to LA thinking, well, I have this need to speak, to communicate, to use my voice. And so I thought record deal, because that was all that was modeled in my life that I could, was all I saw evidence of people. Oh, they go to LA. They, they use their voice by being on tour, singing on stages like Taylor Swift. I had no awareness that there was something called a podcast. Erin, I reach more people now sitting in my pajamas doing a <laughs> podcast do you think there is any artist, can you think of any touring artist that for five years straight, right? I have a million downloads almost every month of my show. What tour would I have to be on to do that, to accomplish that? Zero, not in a month. I mean, and, and maybe, I mean, maybe if you kind of travel to Madison Square Garden and you performed every night of the week and then you went and did other shows like that and Wimbledon. Okay, that's so unusual. You're not gonna do that for five years straight, right? So you see how much better it turned out to be? And I, I, I'm, I'm home with my kids. So if we could just get out of the resistance and trust more sort of what is unfolding, and just let it be easy and enjoy this process and this, oh my God, what's next and anticipating how cool it's going to be. The amount of opportunities that are going to come are way beyond what you can expect because they're beyond your awareness. A hundred percent. I love that you say that. That's kind of like the general theme of a lot of what I wanted to talk with you about today. And I actually heard Oprah say a very similar thing in one of her super soul podcasts. She was talking about how just like the universe or God had a better plan for her. Like it was beyond her wildest right. dreams or expectations. And she just kind of rode the wave and 
now she's friggin' Oprah. And I love too what you say. This is also something that I've heard you say before. That's always stuck with me too. the Beyonce or bust. <laughs> and I think a lot of us are very much in that it's like, okay, if I'm not Beyonce, then who am I? I'm a nobody. I have to just, you know, settle in my life and do, do nothing with it kind of thing. But there are a hundred million avenues between nothing and Beyonce. And it's the fact that I think we all feel like we need to control what's happening. I know I'm like the guiltiest of this ever. Like I know what I want to do, where I want to be. And I have like a very clear vision in my mind of exactly how that's going to play out, but very rarely does it ever play out like that. And I think when a lot of us are too attached to that vision or, you know, attached to the outcome, like you wanting to sell out stadiums and, you know, be a musician and go down that route, it's when you're too attached to that, like you could easily have given up if you didn't get the, the record deal and just been like, well, it's not meant for me. But then you created an entire different life beyond your wildest dreams that you never would have expected. And yeah, I just find that so fascinating, the all or nothing and the, the control of it all. And you've, you know, worked with thousands of people and spoken to thousands of people. How would you say that's probably one of the biggest blocks? Like, is that what's, I don't know, just the control that people have or, or letting go of the control, I guess, if you will, is that the thing that's, that's holding people back the most? Yeah, that's a, that's one really big part of what it is. And that's basically the ego, right? Mm -hmm. So when you say like, I'm guilty of this, you're not, your ego is. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you know, we all have, um, like a self, right? And this is the way, and, and again, it's not woo-woo, it's psychology 101, it's science 101, right? Like what we have as humans is, is a little unusual um, because other species don't have it. Meaning a koala bear, if a koala bear has a stomach ache or is sitting eating bamboo, they're not also having an experience that they're sitting there with a stomach ache or sitting there enjoying the eating of the bamboo. We have the ability to have what's like a drone-like view of our whole life. That's called our consciousness. That's a unique thing that humans have. It's very cool. That's what we connect to in meditation. It's the part of us that goes, oh, wait, I know I'm thinking this whole story right now and narrative about my mom or about what's going to happen tomorrow. Whoa, 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 wait, watch this. I can notice that I'm thinking that. So who's the part of me noticing that? Oh, that's really myself. That's center. That's consciousness. That's what makes humans the shit. Like that's what makes us so cool is a consciousness mm -hmm. thing. Okay. So we all have consciousness and then we have an ego. The ego is designed to protect us. And so it loves control because when people are in a state of feeling that they have to protect, they're afraid and they go into trying to control. So if you actually know anybody who can be scary sometimes, what is typically behind that is fear. And from fear, they want to control. So if we can just notice it, we can surrender it. And yes, indeed, the path of being actually connected to the source of all consciousness, to God, to the universe, to energy, whatever you want to say is the word that is what's beating our hearts right now. We're not, right? Whatever that energetic life force is, Einstein said it can't be created or destroyed. There's just this one energy that he can't split it. Whatever you want to call that. And he did say, Einstein did say like, it's like this universal thing. He thinks it is called God. He could see that, right? He said, actually, the more he studied science, the more he was clear that, that there was something. There was a force because there was a beginning to time. We all used to think that time always existed, but it didn't. There was a beginning. So something created it, which is insane. Um, and the universe expanded and it's still expanding. It used to be the size of 
the pupil of our eyes, right? So that's what it says in the Big Bang. That's also written about in many spiritual traditions, including the Kabbalah from thousands of years before there were even telescopes. So there's something there, okay? Whatever that something is, when we connect to that, the only way that we can allow it to dance through us is to surrender the control. And the reward is you wind up going, your ego goes, Ooh, this is scary. I've never done a podcast. How's this going to go? Oh, what if it falls apart? Oh, what if I'm not good at it? Your ego's like having a field day and you can just come back to center and go, this is supposed to feel this way. This is where I'm actually going out of control in this, in a good way. And I'm allowing for something creative. And now what do they find in the research? The most creative ideas that have ever come into this world came in a moment of spontaneity. Well, spontaneity is the opposite of control. So when Steve Jobs like had a light bulb moment about creating the iPod or Walt Disney was like, wait, Disney World, right? He doesn't know when he thinks that thought and what a beautiful big thought that must have been. He doesn't know the next 19,000 steps till you and I buy a ticket and actually get there and buy popcorn and then go on this ride. It's a small world. He just feels it and sees it and then goes into the great unknown. And any movie we've ever watched, the hero always has a crossroads where they have to either surrender the control and trust to go beyond the horizon, beyond what they can see, beyond what they can predict, beyond what they can control or not. And it's often that we're rooting for the person to go beyond the horizon. Like, okay, you might get your heart broken. Go tell her you love her. Yeah, it's uncertain what will happen, but you need to do it. Or yeah, you're scared to get up on stage or, you know, go ahead and write that thing or publish that memo or whatever it is, but that's you actually allowing yourself now to be a part of this greater self. So to me, yes, it's often that people think they have a business problem or a strategy problem and it's a courage problem. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of letting go. And the ego is, this is the other thing that we need to learn is the ego is not just practiced at it. It's addicted to it. Because when we feel, and you know this from listening to my show, when we feel those feelings of wanting to control, we don't just feel feelings. We actually release a chemical in our body. So our brains have an internal pharmacy and all day long, depending on what we're thinking, we're either giving ourselves like an internal IV drip of oxytocin or cortisol. And most of the time when they've done the studies, they find that most people all day long are drinking cortisol for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And what does it do? It creates inflammation in the body. The cells develop receptor sites so that they need it more, which makes you go back into that lower state, which makes you think those sad thoughts again and creates disease in the body. So we're killing ourselves with trying to control and save ourselves and protect ourselves. It doesn't work. It's the opposite. When we let go, when we trust, when we get excited, when we're like, ooh, what could be, right? We give ourselves this opposite hormone, which is, or chemical, which is called oxytocin. And it makes us happy, makes us really happy. And if you think back to the moments in your life where you were the happiest, they were the moments where you let go of control. The moment where you let somebody love you, you can't really control that. That's actually the opposite of control is letting them in. Or the moment when you gave that talk and you were scared the whole night before, but then there was a moment where you didn't even read what was on the paper. You said something else. And that was the moment everybody got it. Those are the best moments, the unscripted moments. So that is why I started now. I used to teach people how to go from like an idea to income in 12 weeks and build a business. And I realized that my work in the world has to be around this piece I was just talking about. And so I created a program called Abundant Ever After. We meditate on every session. 
And I felt like, you know, no amount of action can compensate for people being um, aware, first of all, and second of all, comfortable dropping into what it feels like to be connected to like true self in the moment and to learn how to memorize that feeling and to get comfortable there. Because when you're living in a place of ego and fear and scarcity and worry all the time, it's very hard to even have the awareness Mm -hmm. of what's your next right move because you're just so stymied by it. You know, it's like you get stuck in it and then you can't even feel or think anything outside of this little prison called the ego. Mm -hmm. I've heard that before too, actually. And it's like that the mind, like whatever you think the most is where your mind finds its comfort. So if you're someone who's anxious all the time, you feel comfort in being anxious because it's almost like, addicted that, to it. yeah, you get addicted. They're literally it's like, addicted. It's more addictive than nicotine cortisol. Exactly. So like on a literal like, level, people are like, this is so woo woo. I'm like, it's actually biology. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when people get stuck in that anxiety and that fear, and I mean, I'm one to talk because I do it all the time too. It's really hard we to all break do. out of. Exactly. And it's like, it's really is working to like rewire your brain a little bit. And I also heard, um, I listened to a lot of Brene Brown and she mentioned, you know, that joy is yeah the hardest emotion so scary. to feel. Yeah. The scariest emotion to feel because a lot of us feel like, okay, we can't really, you know, be fully in that joy because we're constantly thinking, oh, but what's going to go wrong next? I don't want to fully embrace this joy because, you know, something bad is going to happen or I can't allow myself to just be in this. And that always kind of stuck with me too, because you would think, you know, fear or scarcity or all those things would be the hardest emotions to, to feel. But I think it's a common human experience that joy is something that we have a hard time accepting because we are just waiting for the negative to come through. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? But it's like, We are so literally, I'm going to say it again, literally addicted to the cortisol, addicted to the pain, addicted to the self-doubt, addicted to the suffering, addicted to shame. Mm -hmm. That when we're in a state of joy, as soon as we realize we're joyful, it feels so uncertain and scary because we're not used to feeling safe in that place. Yeah. And what's cool though, and I can see this, like I just spent some time with Deepak Chopra and like, it's very obvious that he's very genuinely in the moment. You know, he practices- four hours a day is meditating four hours a day, two hours in the morning, two hours at night. Yeah. And that for him is like a minimum. Wow. And he's like, you know what happens? The more you get quiet, you get addicted to that. You get comfortable and it becomes so much more stimulating to be in a state of expansion and possibility and surrender. And that's all it is. It's actually, we make it complicated it's simple. We get better at whatever we practice. And so most of the time people are just practicing the thought and the feeling of these, like, I can't do this and I'm not enough. And so you just look for more evidence of it, which then, you know, gets you more of more of the same. So I say to people, current thought equals current reality. What you think, how you feel determines what you do determines your life. Mm -hmm. So if future thought future feeling, future action would create a different future. So then you say to people, so what thoughts do you have right now that they don't belong in the future? Because if you keep thinking them, you're just going to get more of the same. And that's what gets really cool is we can change that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, it's, it's hard in today's day and age too, that we're constantly overwhelmed. Just thinking of Deepak Chopra, like taking four hours a day. But recently I took a little bit of a social media hiatus where I, you know, cut out Instagram for a little bit. It was 
incredible. I didn't realize, you know, how much a lot of that stuff just completely consumes you. And it does. It's all around us all the time. Exactly. So it's like, we really need to be mindful of the environments that we're putting ourselves into. You know, if you're spending four hours a day on TikTok, like that's, that's not a good place for your mind to be constantly seeing what everybody else is doing. And you never get those moments of peace and calm to, to step back and know what you want and follow those nudges in your life. Yes. But I will also say that there's four and a half billion people on social media now. And in some ways I feel like, um, I heard Jay Shetty talking about when he was becoming a monk and he was on a train and he was like getting off at the stops to meditate on the train. And one of his like older, wiser mentors said to him, why do you keep getting off the train? He's like, oh, cause it's so noisy in here. So I keep meditating at the stops. And like, he said, but do you think meditation is, is for you to just go off and find a peaceful place to meditate? Or is it to learn how to be with life as it is? And so we have to learn that we are not fragile. We have the resilience to sit in traffic and be with it. We have the resilience to hear something sad and be with it. And so instead of just saying like, oh, I either get off of social media or I'm on social media. It's like, that's kind of like saying like, it's the world. Like I'm either off the world or I'm on the world. So with me, I am on my social media, right? And I like curate the feed that feels really, really good. So I follow a lot of travel accounts. Like I watch these like people, you know, in Scotland and I love looking at those castles, right. And I love looking at the people who film these birds and these birdhouses, you know, those like up close, gorgeous videos. I have a lot of that in my feed and that makes me feel actually so alive and expansive. I love that that comes up. And then, yeah, I'm also interested in like some of the like more, um, dramatic, yummy, silly things that happen in pop culture. And so like, I'll follow what's happening with Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. And, but I think it's like what meaning you make out of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like going out in public. Like I see things and I'm like, all right, my kids know there's going to be people smoking cigarettes. We don't do that. Right. We wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that to them, but it's there. And I wouldn't shield them from it. I would just be like, See how that person smoking cigarettes? That's such a bad habit. Let me tell you why that like just sucks for your body, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. so I think that there's a way for us to, no matter what environment we're in, even, I mean, what's worse for me than social media is Thanksgiving dinner. Like (laughs) being seriously, like with all your family members and so many people are easily triggered by each other. And this one's got her stuff. And this one, you have this role you've been playing. So even though you've grown, you like, feel like you have to go back into this role. And even that I've learned to just be like, I can be here. I can hang. I can find a way to like find compassion here for myself and for these people. And that to me is that's the move rather than being like, you know, well, now I know I just don't go to Thanksgiving dinner, right? There are certain things that I think we can change our relationship with them is what I'm saying. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's finding the healthy balance within it all. Right. Especially if you have a business like, and you're not gonna be on social media, like, okay. You know, but if you had an ice cream shop and you just decided to close for eight days in a row, you're not going to sell ice cream. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the podcast too, before we wrap up, you 
you know, created an incredible podcast. You inspire so many people through it. You've had amazing guests. I would love to know, you know, what do you think is the main reason that people resonated so much with it, that people love to tune in every single week? And I mean, I do all the time. (laughs) Why do you feel like it hit home so hard? Well, first of all, there's a line in the Talmud that says words from the heart speak to the heart. And I Mm -hmm. think that's so true. I think when somebody is genuine, people just feel it. Like we, we know it's kind of like little kids and babies. Like if somebody comes in the house with like good energy, they just like that person, you know, they just feel it. They don't need to know what they do for a living. They don't need to know how many social media followers they have. They just like them. So I am a people person. You know, some people are like, I'm a cat person. I'm a dog. I'm like, I love human beings. I really do. And I love loving people. It's fun to do it. It really is. It, it's it's kind of like everyone has a gift and that's always been the thing that I like to do most. I really like to do that. So I think number one, people can feel that. And it's kind of like this, oh, this is so cool to be listening to a person who you can tell is genuine and very loving because love is so rare you know, that's number one. Number two, I think the conversation has both of the things that people want. I think that the podcast offers really big, spiritual, philosophical, mind-blowing concepts. And I think we make it very practical. I think Mm -hmm. we wind up saying, okay, so even though this just blew your mind, you're going to start with that. And now here are the four simple steps that are going to allow you to do anything that you actually want to do. You're going to put something out there, test it, get feedback. Once you validate that concept, here's how you're going to scale it. Whatever it is, could be writing a screenplay, could be uh, opening up a, an ice cream shop, like we said before, anything. And I think people go, okay, so I really can do this. I can find you know, a much more fulfilling experience for myself, for my life. And I deserve to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's why I resonate with it so much. And just hearing like the diversity of guests that you have on too, and other people's journeys and stories. And it, yeah. I don't know, it always just sparks something inside you. Like I can do that too. Like when it's shown you to can. you, exactly. When you see other people living out your dream or doing something similar, and it just sparks that something inside you to be like, yep, I can, you know, I can do that too. So originally you had it as don't keep your day job. And now you've rebranded to the Kathy Heller show. Um, so where can everybody find your podcast if they want so re- to listen to more? Yeah. So wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, it's, we changed the name of the show, Aaron, because when I started it, I was like, how do I get across that? I want to talk about the thing you really want to do. And my mm-hmm. husband, my husband, it was his idea. He's like, well, everyone always says to somebody, if they really want to be a potter or they really want to paint, they'll say, don't quit, you know, you know, don't quit your day job. Like, you know, He's like, so why don't you say the opposite? Because it kind of gets across this idea that like, maybe you could go do your dream, your hobby, the thing you really love. So we named it Don't Keep Your Day Job. But after five years, I was like, gosh, this show is so much more than a conversation about whether or not I keep my job or quit my job or have a job. It's like, what's my life's work? What do I really, how do I really want to feel? How do I... And, um, I was scared. My ego talk about certainty protection. It was like, don't do it. So year after year, I wouldn't change it. And finally I was like, no, again, I'm missing out on the, on the more exciting expansion. Cause my ego is telling me that the certainty of having a name. And I was like, well, we already have so many downloads. What if people stop listening? Not only did we get even more downloads, but the, the guests that all of a sudden appeared were Deepak and Marianne Williamson and Tony Robbins and Gabby Burns. It was like, Oh, as soon as I just changed the radio, I was a 
I was in sync with a different harmony. And all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, this really feels like me. So we just, I just called it the Kathy Heller show. And the truth is thoughts become things. And I've always known that I personally wanted to be a vehicle, a conduit for other people to see their greatness, for other people to step forward. And I think that there was a part of me that wasn't claiming my own, my own ability to do that. And by just calling it the Kathy Heller show, it's like, it's really not just a podcast. It's like, it's my, this is my making my move, you know? And so I think from here, we're probably going to wind up, it'll be a podcast. It'll be a TV show. It'll be live events. And I'll just do what I'm meant to do. And so it's exciting. There's always that next Un- unwrapping of like your gift. And so I'm in it just like everybody else. And that's, what's exciting and nerve wracking and fun and everything else. Yeah. I love that. And even how, you know, just changing the name, it's something you, you know, can fret over so much. I think a lot of people can relate to that too, which, which seems like, you know, a big scary thing, but really it's like, just be true to yourself, do what you feel in your heart and go with it. And before we wrap up too, I'd love to know also what is next from you? What can we expect going forward? And, um, yeah. Any exciting projects coming up? Yeah. I mean, I am doing more with the brand. So I'm going to be doing like more behind the scenes stuff of my life. And one of the things that I'm also really into is the luxurious, most amazing parts of life. Like, I don't think you have to choose between being a good person and having the most incredible five-star life experience. And I want to talk more about that because there is so much abundance already available. I want people to enjoy it. Like there's no good reason you're not, unless you really peel back the layers, you'll go, yeah, I guess the reason I wouldn't do that is because I believe I can't make that money again, or that money won't exist. It's like, "Mm." there's your lack of like, you know, abundance belief. So I'm really helping people change the way they relate to money and mm-hmm. enjoying more of their life. So I'll be talking more about that. And so I have a program called abundant ever after that's already, the doors already closed. We're already in week like three, which is great, but I'm doing a program called made for millions, which is a 20, it's 20 sessions live, 16 weeks of me with Martha Beck, Amy Purdy, Candace Nelson, Jenna Kutcher doing like live masterclasses on building your your wealth and your impact. And so that starts on the 22nd of February. Um, KathyHeller.com slash millions is where there's information on that. And then I'll be doing a few VIP days one-on-one just because people have asked me and I can't do that many of them, but I figured I'll do a few and people are already signing up. And I might do, I taught a podcasting course a few months ago and I'm, I'm amazed at the results our students have gotten. It's pretty darn awesome. It really is. So I might do a podcasting um, retreat where it's like a couple days. I teach everything soup to nuts. And then they also get like the entire eight week podcasting program that I did that is now recorded. So they would get both. So I'm thinking about doing that as well. But if anyone wants any info, just go to find me on Instagram at Kathy.Heller, listen to the podcast, wherever you listen, and you'll definitely be put in the loop. Amazing. Amazing. Sounds good. And I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes as well. So everyone can find all the details there. Such a lovely, fun, generous conversation. And that wraps up today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed this one. I loved it. And I wanted to share a few of my favorite takeaways as always. So number one being emotions like happiness, they come and go, but creating some sort of meaning or some sort of purpose in your life is really what's going to keep you going at the end of the day. So, you know, the beauty of life too is that we get to create 
whatever has meaning or purpose to us. Another takeaway I really loved was how Kathy was talking about how we see the world through our own biases. So we're constantly going to be looking for evidence of whatever it is that we believe or whatever it is that we think is possible. So just becoming aware of that can honestly, you know, alter your life a little bit. What, like, where are your biases held? If you're constantly thinking negative of certain things, then that's going to keep showing up for you. So I'm, I don't know. It's kind of like the law of attraction a little bit. Now, this next takeaway, one of my favorites always, it's always something that stuck with me through listening to Kathy's podcast is Beyonce or bust. So, you know, if you have your dream or your goal or whatever it is, and you want to be Beyonce, but if things don't pan out exactly like that, then you're just like, well, you know, screw it. It's that all or nothing mindset. So, you know, sometimes the universe has a bigger plan for you and you have to sort of let go of that a little bit and realize there are a hundred million other avenues that you can take. Um, So yeah, life isn't Beyonce or bust. There's, there's a lot of in between in there. Another thing I really loved is the part about being expansive. So saying yes and, you know, really looking at what else you can do, not just focusing on like, oh, well, I only do this, you know, be open to other things, other opportunities, because you never know where those might lead you, which is kind of an exciting part of life as well. And lastly, I just wanted to bring up the whole surrendering of the control. And I feel like this kind of goes back to the whole Beyonce or bust (laughs) theme as well. But just the fact that, you know, you can't have your sights set so hardcore on one certain thing, because if that falls through, and just for the example from this episode, like Kathy wanting to be a musician and sell out stadiums, and she really thought that was her path. But when that fell through, she was able to find other avenues to make her dream of being a musician work through selling her her music to TV shows and advertisements and, and all of that. And that kind of ended up leading her down a whole different path and creating, you know, a life that she could have never dreamed of for herself. So I just feel like that's such an important theme and something I'm really trying to focus on a lot more in my life, just like letting go, you know, have those visions for yourself, have goals, have, have things you want to achieve but also realize that there are lots of different avenues to get you to where you want to be or you know sometimes the greatest things that happen to us in life are not what we expected at all so just really being able to sit in that and you know be in a state of allowance and surrender and you know let things unfold for you I think that's super exciting so those are a few of my favorite takeaways from today's episode feel free to let me know yours as well you can connect with me over on Instagram at Erin Elizabeth or, you know, feel free to leave a little rating or review on the um, podcast app. But otherwise, that wraps it up. And I will catch you in next week's episode. Bye.